Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is part number two of How Can I Be a Kinder and a Gentler Person? We're talking about gentleness, and I want you to know gentleness is not oftentimes what you think it is. Gentleness, according to the Bible, is an added ability. It's the ability to control things. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is often used as a positive spin for weakness, but it's not weakness. Gentleness, I guess we could say, is strength under control. It's not a lack of strength, but rather the godly exercise of power. And I'm going to give you four ways in which you can grow in this matter of being more gentle. And I think everybody needs uh, to work on this matter, okay? Because I'm like Jesus when I am gentle. You know, I love Matthew 21, 5. It says that Jesus came in to that holy city gentle and riding on a donkey. That's how Matthew records the triumphal entry. You know, it wasn't just in the New Testament that we see Jesus being a gentle person. We see it actually prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40. Now, let me read that for you. Isaiah 40 verses 10 and 11. Isaiah says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. So that sounds like strength, right? Uh, He's coming to rule, and he's coming forward with recompense before him. But then it says, verse number 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms, and he will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. I guess we could say violence is the destructive use of strength, but gentleness is the life-giving exercise of strength. You see, our gentleness should be obvious to all. So, are you interested in being a kinder, gentler person? Well, let me give you four ways to be a gentler person. I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to give you four ways in which you can be a gentler person. And again, uh, I'm defining gentleness according to the Bible, defines gentleness, strength under control. I'm not asking you to be a weaker person. I'm asking you to use that strength in a positive, life-giving way. Now, Paul is writing in Philippians chapter 4, and he says, Now, my brothers and sisters, you are the ones that I long for. Uh, You are my joy, and you're my crown. Stand firm in the Lord. In this way, my dear friends. Verse number 2, he says, I beg of you, I plead of you, Yodia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Now, let me just give a few comments here in these short little verses that I've just read. Paul is writing to his brothers and sisters of Christ, and he's writing and addressing something that is something that he'd probably not want to go there, but he knows he has to go there. And he says, I want to begin by letting you know that I love you, and I long for you, and that you're my joy, and that you're my crown, but I also want you to stand firm in the Lord. And he says, I beg of you, verse number two, I beg with Uria and Syntyche, be of the same mind in the Lord. Now notice Paul is coming across gently. He's begging them. He's not forcing them. He's not saying, by the authority given to me as your apostle, he's saying, I beg of you. 
that you would be of the same mind. And then he adds that phrase, a very important phrase, in the Lord. Paul is not saying, I want you guys to start thinking alike. He doesn't even say, I want you to start thinking like me. He says, I want you to be in the same mind of the Lord. He says, yes, my true companions. And these women that he's addressing that need to be dealt with, he says, these ladies contended at my side for the cause of the gospel and the rest of my co-workers. So these are not new believers, not new members to the church at Philippi. These are people that many commentators believe that they were present at that original prayer meeting where the church at Philippi was established. These women were there. They've been contending by Paul's side. They have this desire to get the gospel out, and their names are in the book of life. So there's no doubt about who they are. They are bona fide, born-again believers, mature in their faith. And then Paul says, verse number four, rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Verse number five, our key verse, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And so Paul is saying your reputation ought to be evident to all that you are a gentle person. Not only is the Lord near, but it ought to be part of who you are. Verse number six, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, and I love this, the peace of God that transcends all understanding. So God's peace is not based upon me completely understanding. It transcends all understanding. It's not the peace that the world gives because I can have God's peace even when I don't understand why I should be at peace. Even when my circumstances are out of control, I am still at peace with the Lord. We are told that we can be at peace with God and we guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. There is a key right there in how we stay at peace is that our hearts are guarded, our minds are set on Christ, and then we think certainly differently. Verse number eight, he says, finally, now, brothers and sisters, think on these things. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Wow, what a great passage we have just read. Nine short verses where Paul is addressing a conflict and he's addressing it with strength and gentleness. And so he's reminding us here that our gentleness should be obvious to all. So here are four ways to be a kinder and a gentler person. Number one, from verses one through three, we learn that we should have confidence in Christ. Now, this is not the absence of boldness. Confidence in Christ. Paul said the same thing in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, by the humility and the gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who is timid face to face, but bold towards you when I'm away. Now, these two ladies, Yodi and Syntyche, are two women mentioned in only one short passage of the Bible. Now, this is the only passage that we read about them. And Paul says, I plead with you to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, 
help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of the co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So it seems like Yodia and Syntyche had worked directly with Paul, and they were involved in spreading the gospel in that city of Philippi. Now, it's really unclear into what manner they were involved in the church, but they were heavily involved in the church. The church began in Acts chapter 16, and it was probably at a prayer meeting, maybe even at the home of one of these women. And it's quite possible that they were part of that original group of people that started the church. But one thing we do know for sure is that these two women who love the Lord, whose names are in the Lamb's Book of Life, all of a sudden they are at odds with each other. Now, it's likely this conflict now was starting to become public due to the fact that Paul had heard about it, even though he was currently in Roman prison, he heard about this. Two women fighting in this manner would have put the unity of the believers in Philippi at jeopardy. So it is important that Paul addresses this matter in his letter to the church. I don't know if you remember way back in 1988. The day I'm recording this broadcast is election day here in the United States. And uh, it's the midterm elections of the year 2022. Uh, So I don't know what the outcome is going to be as I'm recording this broadcast. But I I remember way back in 1988, I didn't really follow politics a whole lot until I became uh, an adult. But in 1988, I remember George H.W. Bush received his party's nomination for president of the United States. And I remember listening to his acceptance speech. And this is what he called out for. He called for a kinder in a gentler nation. Now, I don't know uh, that he accomplished that goal, but that was kind of the platform that he wanted to run on uh, as the presidential nominee. Now, when Jesus is in his triumphal entry, he's coming into Jerusalem. He quotes Isaiah 62, and he says this, see, your king comes gently. Now, unity among believers throughout the Bible is a very common theme. John chapter 17 is the prayer of unity for the church, but we see it also in Psalm 133. We see it again in 1 Peter 3.8. Paul himself spoke about unity in several of his letters. In fact, Paul actually would plead for unity, and he would plead for unity within the church. That's what he did. He cried out asking that the church be unified. Now, we can learn something from Yodity and Syntyche. Their example shows that even those who have worked together for the cause of Christ can have disagreements. You see, when you think about unity, it's not uniformity, it's of the same mind. Uh, We're not identical, but we think alike. It also shows the importance of treating one another with love and compassion and long-suffering. You see, a church that is at war with itself is in danger of losing his testimonies to the outsiders. Yodi and Sintiki needed to be of the same mind in the Lord. And the other church members were to do all that was necessary to heal this breach. They were all fellow laborers in the Lord's work, and their names were all part of the book of life. As a matter of fact, as I go back a couple of chapters in the book of Philippians, back to Philippians chapter 2, Paul says this of the Philippian believers. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit, of the same mind. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That little phrase, selfish ambition, 
I've got a whole nother message just on that little phrase, selfish ambition. It's found six times in the Bible, that phrase, selfish ambition, always in the New Testament. And it talks about various problems that happen in our lives when we are self-ambitious. And so Paul says, do nothing out of self-ambition or for self-gratification or for conceit, vain conceit, but he says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, we tend to do just the opposite, right? We value ourselves just slightly above others. But Paul says, no, no, do the opposite. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So the word has got out. There's a conflict. And so Paul says, I want to deal with this firmly, but I want to deal with it gently. I want you to be having the same mind of Christ. You see, God's word obviously doesn't allow for gossiping and arguing and fighting over personal matters in the church. Instead, believers are to encourage one another as we prepare for Christ's return. So number one, if you want to grow in gentleness, put your confidence in Christ. Lean into Christ as your source of confidence. Number two, be controlled by the Spirit. Not self-generated, but spirit-controlled. Now, if we go to Galatians chapter 5, here we see the list of the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. So here we learn there's no law against being gentle. There's no law against being faithful. And so we see that there's a quality of being kind, tender, mild-mannered. It's a strength that we have if we have these characteristics. You know, when you think about humility and meekness, Jesus said, come to me, all you that are heavy laden. And as Jesus gives that, and he says, because I'm humble. You know, I think about this ability to be really strong, but yet humble at the same time. I want to take a good teacher, for example. A good teacher has got the power of the class, right? Has got the authority of the class. And a good teacher knows that sometimes the best way to get control of the class is through quietness. God's people uh, got attention, right? Uh, get attention by being quiet, just having that uh, awkward pause. And I did this in church on Sunday. I had that awkward pause, and I noticed that several heads that were looking down when I got quiet for an extended period of time all of a sudden looked up. Now, they could hear me okay. Uh, we have a good sound system. Uh, they could hear me the whole time, but all of a sudden, they changed because of gentleness, quietness. You know, when I think about control by the Spirit, not self-generated control, but Spirit-controlled. In Galatians chapter 6, we learn that if a brother or a sister is caught up in wrongdoing, the spiritual one is to restore that person in the spirit of weakness, each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. When I think about how we can do it in a spirit of gentleness, the reason it is a character trait of those who are leaders to be gentle, especially within the church, is that when we are involved in dealing with somebody who is caught up into a sin, 
We must do it in the spirit of gentleness. Now, as I started in ministry, I was not really focused on this character trait, this fruit of the spirit of gentleness. I thought that that was a weakness. I thought that if it's going to be, it's going to be because of me. If you want to get her done, I'm going to get her done. And my mindset was off. And and really, as I think about it, I probably didn't meet this criteria as a qualification in the very early years of my pastorate uh, because I was anything but gentle. I had to learn gentleness. And and one of the ways God taught me gentleness is give me a son uh, 22 years ago that has autism and and just just dealing with people for a long time. I discovered that it's so true. I think Rick Warren said it, that people need more strokes than they need pokes. It's easy to poke people. It's easy to be sarcastic with them. But we need a spirit of gentleness, not a spirit of weakness, but gentleness. Adam Clark, who was a Bible teacher back in the 1800s, gives a wonderful definition of what gentleness is. And the word gentleness, he defines this way, mildness and indulgence toward the weak and the erring and equal balance, okay? So mildness and being indulgent toward the weak and the erring and an equal balance, okay? I discovered that those who are not gentle always like to run over the weak, right? Uh, they won't try to run over the strong because that's too much of a, uh, of, a, of, a, of a competition for them, and they probably can't overcome. Kind of like the bully, right? Uh, the bully in the school would pick on the weak kids. Uh, he wouldn't go against the strong kids, right? He, he wouldn't dare do that because he'd find himself in over his head. But when you think about gentleness, one of the characteristics of being a gentle person is that you, you tend to help those who are weak, those who are erring. And you go to the least of these, my brother. And you do this with an equal balance. So you're not compromising right and wrong. You're not allowing them to just get away with anything because they're weak. There's a balance. You got strength under control. A great definition, I believe, of what meekness is. So we've learned so far, if we're going to grow in our gentleness, all of our confidence should be in Christ, not in ourselves. He is all-powerful, but he's all-gentle. We must be controlled by the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we'll not be controlled by the lust of the flesh. We cannot be controlled by the flesh, but be controlled by the Spirit. And then number three, we must understand that gentleness is not something that is is self-generated, but we must continue to strive for it. It's not an occasional act. It's something that ought to be part of who we are. Let's look at verses 4 and 6. Going back to our text in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. And let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, some of this is an understanding of the Greek language. Here we see there's an emphatic use of the word rejoice. It's an ongoing act, rejoice in the Lord always. There's also an emphatic use of the word, let your gentleness be evident to all. That's a continuous practice. As a matter of fact, you become known, there's enough evidence to prove that you are gentle. It's part of 
I have it in your life that you are living in gentleness and you're doing this because you know the Lord is near. And as a result of being close to the Lord, continuously trying to be like him, you're not anxious about anything because you have learned to give everything over the Lord by prayer and petition. You're constantly giving thanks and you're constantly giving your request unto the Lord. So this is an an act of saying, I become more gentle by being continuously more gentle. It's habit forming, okay? And as you develop this habit, you're going to discover that you are such a blessing to other people. Proverbs 15, 4 says that a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Look at how Jesus dealt with his early disciples. He said to them in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. I got a wonderful text message just Sunday morning uh, before the message was about to be given. I read, looked at my phone. It was from a pastor friend. He says, I'm praying for you. He says, are you wearied and are you burdened? Give me that prayer request and I'll give it unto the Lord. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I am gentle, I am humble in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. And you listen to this passage, you say, wait a minute, I am going to find rest by picking up a yoke that represents work? Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn how to be gentle, learn how to be humble from the Savior, and you find rest for your souls, because when you yoke up with Jesus, he takes the burden. You're just kind of going along for the ride. You're yoking up with him, and and he, with his power, is moving things along. Jesus says, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh, my friends, as you think about this gentleness, constantly striving to be gentle, keep the biblical definition of the word gentleness in mind. It is strength under control. I'm not throwing up my hands and saying, well, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever it's going to be is going to be. I'm not giving up. I'm using the gentleness, habit-forming gentleness, in order to bring about a result of giving life. Paul said to the Corinthian believers, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, by the humility and the gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. Paul says, I'm timid. When I'm with you face-to-face, I'm bold, but I'm timid uh, when I write to you. You know, in, in defending his position as an apostle is what he's doing in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He does it in the spirit of Christ, in the calmness of Christ. That is what he's trying to convey. You know, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Meekness is the right use of authority and power. It takes both. Let's formulate this habit of being gentle wherever we go, not compromising the truth, but being gentle in how we present it. And what is one final thing we've got to cover today in the broadcast? If we want to grow in gentleness, we've got to have confidence in Christ. We've got to be controlled by the Spirit. We've got to be continuously striving. And then number four, we have to be intentionally clothed. Now, this is not an emotion right? Uh, Gentleness is not an emotion. If you only are gentle when the mood moves you to be gentle, uh, you're going to discover that you're not gentle very often. 
we are told to intentionally clothe ourselves with gentleness. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 11, he says, Therefore there is neither Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, clothe yourself with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive each other, and if anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I guess we should say, uh, gentleness is like fabric softener. It softens up the clothes. It softens up the towels. It doesn't change them. It softens them. It's a character trait, not just an emotional state. Oh, I hope that you have learned how to be a gentler, kinder person as a result of listening to this broadcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Now listen, if I can help you in any way, please feel free to shoot me a text, okay? And uh, shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. I'd be happy to reply to that text. I'd be happy to pray for you in any way possible. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'm praying for you today. Every day I pray for our listening audience. And if there's something specifically that I can help you with, please feel free to contact me. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.